Okay. Um, ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you for coming to be a part of this, um, this great day of confession for our confirmands. It's a way not only for them to, um, I guess you might say, take it into their heart and make it a part of them and their life, but it is also an opportunity for them to confess before you because you have made it possible. You are the ones who have actually um, made it possible for them to be here. You made it possible for us to have a church, made it possible for us to have the ministry of the Word, and, um, and they are now ready for adulthood, I think, and ready to also speak. Let's, uh, we'll start with a prayer, and then I'm going to have them do some introductions, okay? All right, let's start with a prayer. Our dear Lord and Savior, it is by grace that we have been saved, and therefore we are able to see into the very heart of the living God. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, you have made known to all of us that we are saved only by your grace and mercy and not by our works and by our deeds. And yet, because of all that you have done for us, we are able to be motivated to do those things which are pleasing in your sight. We therefore bring before you these confirmands and we pray that you would not only keep this faith within their hearts and in their minds, but you would make them solid confessors of your word to the world in which they live. Do not let them fall from this faith. Keep them ever vigilant. Keep them as students of your word. Bring that word of God into their lives so that they may one day teach their own children as they have been taught through the faithfulness of their parents. Now we pray and ask for your blessing upon this confession that they will make today in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to... Uh, hand around a microphone here and we're going to start over here with Kylie and we're going to introduce yourself and your family okay all right tell everybody you got and you have to uh, speak into that thing as though it's an ice cream cone that you're about ready to eat okay all right tell everybody why don't you stand up and tell everybody who you are I'm Kylie, and my mom and dad are Diane and Dave. And, and what, should we make them stand up too? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> there they are, mom and dad. And the last name is Conrad. You didn't want to mention oh, that, did yeah. you? That's just in yeah. case. All right. And anybody else here from your family? Um, yeah, my two grandmas, and then my grandpa, and my aunt, and my sister. They're, and they're all here, and they're sitting at, the, at all the table. You can just raise your hands. We won't make you stand up. Okay? All right, you want to hand it over to Anna? I'm Anna Fry. My parents are Matt and Rachel Fry. Stand up. Come on. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, my grandparents are here from both sides, and then my cousin and my sister and brother. All right. Everybody want to raise your hands? My brother and sister? Oh, and Dave. Dave's here. Okay. My godfather. Your godfather. That's even better. That's great. All right. I'm John Latimer, and my family's over there, and I have my mom and my dad and both sets of grandparents and my brother and sister over there. 
Okay. Yeah, remember to bring that thing real close and right don't here? point at yeah. them. Right. Okay. <laughs> okay, John Latimer and yeah. and your your parents are here. They want to stand up, please. Dan and Tanya. Okay. And then uh, everybody else who's uh, got some blood in that kid, raise their hand. All right. Sammy, didn't you want to raise your hand? Okay. All right. I'm Hayden Miller. My parents, my brother, and my two, and my grandparents. Okay, we're going to make your grandparents stand and remain standing for a reason. Okay. All right, this is Hayden, and uh, his, um, his other half is standing next to him. Why don't you stand up too, Sydney, and tell everybody who you are? I'm Sydney Miller. Okay. And those are my parents. Too. And those are your parents. <laughs> and everybody who's connected to their family, please raise your hands. Okay. Very good, um, and you can folks guessed it, they're twins. Uh, all right, Max? Uh, I'm Max Shaw, and my parents are over there, uh, Dave and Luzella. Okay, and would you please stand? Yeah, there we go. All right, and any other hands up? No, that's it, okay. Okay, Cole Talawi. Um, I'm Cole Talawi. My parents over there, Heather and Tom, with my grandma and both my brothers in the back. Okay, Heather and Tom, you want to stand? Heather, get up. <laughs> Supposed to do that together at the same time so we know you're kind of connected. And family, you want to raise your hand? Okay, all right, thank you. Um, I'm Hallie Boatman, and my parents are Stephen Kelly Boatman. Stand up. <laughs> and family, who else is here? Like the entirety of my family. <laughs> <laughs> okay, please raise your hand. All right. Oh, back over, I'm sorry, we have a whole table over here. That's great. All right, well, I, I think we should probably start with Hallie, don't you? Uh, since she's got the microphone on. Don't cry, it's okay. That's all right. Um, we're going to start off uh, talking a little bit about uh, law and gospel because I think it probably helps to set the stage here for what it is that we're trying to be able to, to say. Um, <laughs> oh, you're looking it up already on your test. You, you don't even have to worry about those pieces of paper, you guys. Don't worry about that at all. Um, what is a... What is the law intended, God's law intended to do to us? And you got to remember that, guys, we're, we're going with your answers, not necessarily A, B, or C on this thing here, okay? What's the law? Um, it teaches us what we are to do and what we are not to do, and it shows us our sin and the wrath of God. Okay. And, and I suppose we could probably contrast that with the gospel and how that is different, yes? Yeah. What is the gospel? The gospel shows us... God and the grace of the grace of God. Okay, and and of course, with God, we would also say that personage who appeared was born in Bethlehem. It is the that shows us Christ, right? Yeah. And and His grace. What it, do you, can you tell me a little bit about what grace is? God's riches at Christ's expense. Oh, you've even got the G R A C E. <laughs> All right, that's right. It is. God's unconditional right uh, favor that He has given unto us. Um, you want to pass that over to Cole? Yeah. Um, now, the law kind of does something to us. Uh, quit looking at your paper. 
<laughs> it does something to you, right? When you see that law, does it make you feel warm and does it make you love God? What does it do? Um, well, the, shaw, the law shows us like our sin. Yeah. So. That make you feel real warm and cuddly and. No. Yeah. It, no. It, how does it make you feel about God if He's showing you your sin? Um, well, it makes you like. I can't think of the word, but um, like not like, against God, I guess. It, does, does it make you afraid of God though when you see when you know that He sees your sin? Yes. Are you afraid of God now, though? Um, no. <laughs> That's a good thing. Um, because of what? What, is, what have you now seen? Because he's shown me, like, the light, and now that I have eternal life with him in heaven. Okay, so you've seen the gospel then, or heard the gospel too, yes. and that enables you to not be so afraid of God. Well, let's, uh, let's go back to the Ten Commandments, therefore, okay? <laughs> Everybody's worried about this. All right, let's just kind of take it on down the line. What's the first commandment, Max? You shall have no other gods. Okay, and you know what the second commandment is? You shall not, you can look at it. Okay. <laughs> you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Okay, very good. And the third commandment? Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Okay. Um, when we think of that first commandment, you shall have no other gods, um, what does this mean? Uh, that you should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. Oh, that's, that really hits the nail right on the head. I think that, therefore, we should pass that microphone over to Sydney. Okay, now, in the second commandment, <laughs> you're looking down, I, I can see. What, what does it mean, that second commandment, you should not misuse God's name? What does that mean? We should fear and love God so we do not swear, cuss, use upon it in every trouble, pray, praise, and give thanks. Uh, I think you got a, got a good handle on it there. Okay. Um, should we ask your brother what it is that the third commandment asks of us? Yes. Why don't you? <laughs> okay. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, right? And what does that mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not despise his preaching. <laughs> And his word, but hold it sacred and gladly hear and learn it. And hold it sacred. And does that mean that we go to church once a month? Mm -mm. And where is the word of God taught here? I mean, when we say the word of God and the word in sacrament, is it, is it at the baseball park? Can you find word in sacrament at the baseball park? No. <laughs> I don't think so. Can you find it at your school? No. Can you find it in front of a video game? No. You can find it where? In the Bible. It, that's part of it, isn't it? And of course, what, we're reading the Bible, but also word and sacrament. Where do you find that? In the church. Here, right. That's, there you go. All right. Well, why don't we ask John about that fifth commandment? What is the fifth or the fourth commandment? Uh, honor your mother and father. And without looking, what does that mean? Uh, it means that we should not uh, go against their sayings, um, that we should do what we're told. Okay. Because they're under God's authority. 
That's a, that's a, a, a good uh, summary so that we should fear and love God so that we do not do what? I bet you Anna knows this. Why don't we hand it over there? Fear and love God so that we do not... Despise or anger our parents or other authorities. Yeah, but what are we supposed to do? Give them... But serve and obey them, love and cherish them. Oh, yes. And, I, and have they ever quoted that text to you? They have not. <laughs> <laughs> they haven't memorized it at all, have they? Sixth commandment, let's hand that over to Kylie. What is the sixth commandment? You shall not commit adultery. What's the fifth commandment? You shall not murder. And what does it mean, you shall not murder? We should fear and love God so that we do not hurt or harm our neighbor and his body, but help and support him in every physical need. Okay. Wow, well, I should just keep on going all the way through the rest of the commandments with you, shouldn't I? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right, uh, sixth commandment, what does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we lead a sexually pure and decent life in what we say and do, and husband and wife should honor and love each other. Okay, that's very beautifully and well done. All right, um, I guess what we could do is we could run this all the way back to the other end of the line, couldn't we? Seventh commandment. You shall not steal. And what does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not take our neighbor's possessions money or possessions or get them in any dishonest way, but help him to improve and protect his possessions and income. That's right. They, I, I do have to tell you that they, they knew these, they know these, but they're terrified of you. <laughs> and so just be, be mindful that this is just takes the edge off of that. Um, what's, the, um, what's the Eighth Commandment? You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Okay, and can I be so bold as to ask what that means? We should fear and love God so that we do not tell lies about our neighbor, betray him, slander him, or hurt his reputation, but defend him, speak well of him, and explain everything in the kindest way. I like the way that that one finger went up there. It's kind of like, but just wait a minute. (laughs) That was very good, and I appreciate that because... When we were talking about the commandments, we said uh, almost, like the, almost like tree rings, the f- first table of the law, which is the first, what, how many commandments? That talk about our relationship to God, first three, right? And then the remaining seven deal with our neighbor. The first commandment guards our heart. The second commandment guards our lips. And the third commandment guards our hands, so to speak, our worship of God. The fourth commandment guards our honor. The fifth commandment guards our life. Fifth commandment guards our bodies, right. Sixth commandment guards our, our, our spouse, right. Seventh commandment guards our, thou shalt not steal, our possessions. Eighth commandment guards our our reputation, and then the ninth and the tenth commandment actually guards our legal rights, because the ninth commandment is what, Cole? Now you had to take the microphone. You shall not cover your, covet your neighbor's house. Right. And what's the tenth commandment? You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, manservant, maidservant, ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Are you coveting your neighbor's ox or donkey? I don't think so. 
What do you suppose that might be in our modern day world? Uh, maybe a car or a motorcycle. Okay. Something like that. I mean, certainly possessions that everybody values uh, very much. All right. Well, those are the Ten Commandments. Now, let's, um, let's uh, talk a little bit about Christ and some of our questions here. Don't look. We can just talk it through. All right. Now, who is, hand it over to Max. Max, who is the true God? How do you define this triune God? He is God the? Father, maker of heaven and earth. Yeah, and God the? Son. Son. And then God the? Father, Holy, and then Holy Spirit. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, how do we come to know this God? Let's ask Sydney. How do we come to, to know about God? By reading scriptures in the Bible. Okay, scriptures in the Bible by far the clearest things. Is there a way that somebody could know something about God in another way outside of the Bible? Um, Maybe out there in nature? That they can see the hand of God in his creation, maybe? But they can't come to know who Jesus is and what he has done for us, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So, what do you, why do we need a Savior, Sydney? Why do we need a Savior? So we can just believe in one and, like, trust in him. Okay. Are you going to be able to save yourself? No. Then why do you need a Savior? So you can be saved. <laughs> we, need, we need a Savior. Can you save yourself? No, you cannot. And so therefore, you need a Savior because you can't save yeah. yourself, right? Let's ask Hayden a few questions. Um, Hayden, um, who received the first promise of a Savior? Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve. And what happened to Adam and Eve that made it so that they needed a Savior? Uh, they were tempted by the devil. They were tempted by the devil and they fell into sin, didn't they? And of course, that sin fell upon all mankind. Now, in the second article of the Apostles' Creed, we start off by saying, we believe that Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father, what? From, all, from all eternity. And also true man. Born of the Virgin Mary. Yeah, and that he is what then? Born of the Virgin Mary is my Lord. My Lord, right. And so therefore, you are saying that from this point onward, for the rest of your life, Jesus is going to be your Lord, right? He's above you. He tells you what to do. Does that mean that you're not supposed to listen to your parents? No. Are they your lords too? No. <laughs> Yeah, they are. <laughs> but they have a Lord above them, and that's our Lord and Savior. Why don't we pass it off to old John over here. John, what is it that Jesus saved us from? We say it in the second article. Uh, he saved us from our sin. Right. We say, who has redeemed me, a lost and condemned person, person, person purchased and won me from all sin and death and the power of the devil. Good. It's all there. Yeah, that's great. 
from sin, death, and the power of the devil. Now, we say that he has two natures. Let's ask Anna what those two natures are. Okay. Um, God and man. Yeah, God and man, or sometimes we say divine and also human. Is he still human? No, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> he, he is. He didn't lay aside his human nature. And, of course, when we talk about the Lord's Supper, we're going to be talking a little bit about the fact that his true body is still present along with the, the uh, bread and the wine. All right. Um, we say, what is it that he came to make known? Let's, let's ask Kylie about that. Um, he purchased and he won us in what way? From we said from all sin, death, and the power of the devil, but not with gold or silver, but... His holy, precious blood and innocent suffering. And death, right. Yep. And that, I mean, we say, why in the world would his suffering and death be something uh, necessary? Uh, this is a, it's a theological question that probably does not have any bearing on any of the questions that you have in front of you. Why did Jesus have to suffer and die? Well, we, like, we have sin, and so we are going to die someday, and he saves us from that. Okay, in other words, he actually took our punishment, our death upon himself, yeah. right? And when he came back from the grave alive, if he took all of our sins away, what does that mean about you when it comes to the question of the resurrection. Are you going to be resurrected too? Yeah. Yes. Is your body going to be resurrected? Yes. <laughs> yes. In the flesh, you're going to be resurrected because he was too. So we have to tie all this to the resurrection, don't we? I guess I have to be the runner. All the way on down. <laughs> She's so excited. I just can't believe it. All right. Um, let's uh, let's um, go back to the subject maybe even of baptism. We say, what is baptism? It's not just plain water, but the words of God in and with the water that baptize us. And then what about this thing called faith? What does it do? It... It, it takes that word that's in the water and it trusts, right, in what that word does. Um, there are a lot of people that don't believe in baptizing babies. Do you think babies should be baptized? Yes. Why do you think that's necessary? Because even before you're born, the Holy Spirit has called you by the gospel and enlightened you with his gifts, sanctified and kept you in the one true faith. So... Get if, baptized as a baby. If it's, if it's all his work, that's right. Well, that's a very good, that, that was, that's the, Luther's explanation to the third article, and she's using it like a weapon. That's great. Um, so, in other words, uh, that child, can a child die? Yes. And what, ha I mean, if, what is that a sign of? If a child can die, that must mean that a child is also? Sinful. Yeah. And therefore, you need to be able to have a Savior, right? Now, when we come to the faith, is it something that we do in choosing God, or is it something that God does for us? God does it for us. Okay, so when you said, 
He has called us by the gospel. Enlight- how, did that, how did that go? Called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the one true faith. Okay, does he do it to everybody? Yes. Even as, even as he calls, gathers, enlightens, and... Sanctified and... Yep. The whole, whole Christian church. All right, let's, let's hand it over to Cole and see whether or not... Uh, Cole, is there any question that you'd like to ask us? Um, I don't think so. Yeah, well, we, we try to reverse things every once in a while just to keep you on your toes. Okay. Um, so we now, now know something about baptism. Um, what benefits does baptism give? Um, well, it cleanses you from all your sins and get and um, delivers you from who? E- e- uh, death and the power of the devil. And the power of the devil. Now, now we say what the power of the of the devil. Uh, we're kind of wondering where the power of the devil comes from. Why does he have power over us? Do you know? Um, I, um, ordinarily. He, like, gets to our conscience and makes us sinful. You were thinking outside the box there. That's good. It wasn't on that paper, was it? No. He actually accuses your conscience, and he tells you that what you've done is actually alienated you from God. Has it? No. Okay, why? Uh... If you are not alienated from God, and yet you're still, you did sin, right? Yes. More than once? Yes. Multiple times? Yes. You want to explain what they are? No. (laughs) I think your brothers would. Uh, Yeah, they would. (laughs) Shh, quiet, huh? No. Um, You have, have, you've sinned, and so therefore, why is it that the devil can't accuse you? Because we are the children of God. Yeah, that God has act, made you his children. And he's therefore, has he taken away your sins? Yes. Have you been baptized? Yes. You're sure? Yes. Do you remember it? No. That's because you were just a little tiny baby when I baptized you. But we remind you over and over again. You don't even remember being born, do you? No. But you are a child of your parents, aren't you? Yes. Yeah. Well, now you were reborn when you were baptized. You are now their child, God's child, and God no longer charges or holds your sin against you. And that's why the devil can no longer have any more power over you. I, the other way that the devil is a, is a, is, has power over us, I think we'll talk to Max about that. Max, there's this thing that will happen someday, maybe when you grow old and you get to be an old man like Pastor Feeney. What's going to happen? Someday you're going to... Be tested. Oh, that's coming too. But you, but you don't have to wait until you're old for that to happen. But there's something that's going to happen maybe when you're really old. You're going to... Die. Die. And what's going to happen then to you? Where are you going to go? What's going to happen to your body? Uh... My soul will go to heaven and live with God. And you'll be with Christ, you'll be with God in heaven. What's going to happen to your body? It's going to decay in the ground with my sin. Yeah, and, um, and then uh, what's going to happen upon the last day? Uh, my body will be resurrected. Yeah, uh, and are you afraid, therefore, of dying? 
No. Yeah, because death doesn't have any power over you. So you never have to be afraid of dying at all. And the power of the devil is that he actually uses the fear of what to hold the whole world in his power. Sin. Fear of sin and consequence of sin is the death. fear of death. Right. Correct. So you're free, Max. How about that? You don't have to ever be afraid. And that's why we're going to ask Sydney to answer the next question because she's afraid right now. Just a tiny bit. <laughs> a little bit. All right. I'm going to ask you, too, something else about baptism. Baptism, you know, with water, person, sometimes even in the old days, they took a child and they would absolutely dunk a child in the water so that it would go under the water and then back up again. What is, we say it signifies something. Do you know what it signifies? Um, the, um, the old Adam and Eve dies. Yeah, the old, well, I'm glad you said the old Adam and Eve because we know who caused the fall into sin, don't we? <laughs> the, the old Adam in us, which we call our old sinful nature, is supposed, what, what happens when somebody gets pushed under the water ordinarily if they just keep them there? They drown. They drown. So what are we doing to the old Adam? Drowning it. You were drowning it. And then, when that old Adam is drowned, then something happens to the new person in you. And that new person comes alive, doesn't it? Yeah. And this is a person that has actually been created in the image of Christ. So that you now bear that image of Christ. All right. So the old Adam is drowned. So now let's talk a little bit about um, the subject of redemption, about being purchased. So, we say in the second article, the Apostles' Creed, we, act, we want to talk a little bit about the... Oh, you can pass it over to your brother. All right. God makes promises to his children, and we sometimes talk about these promises both in the first article and also in the close of the commandments. Um, let's start off with the first article. What is it that he has given you? We say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. What does this mean? I believe that God has purchased and won me. Well, that, that's the second article, but it's a, it's a good thing too. Um, I believe that God has made me, me. and all creation. Yeah, he has given me my body, soul, my eyes and ears. Yeah, my members. All these things that God has given to you. He gives, me, he gives you your food and your drink and your house and your home. And someday you'll even have a wife and you'll have children and you'll have land and you'll have a Porsche. Hopefully. <laughs> you'll have not animals but maybe a, maybe an, a car uh, and all this he does purely out of fatherly divine goodness God goodness and mercy without any merit or worthiness do you know what worthiness is yes yes like for instance are you worthy did your parents feed you today before you came? No. 
You might be in big trouble by the time you get home. Are you worthy of being fed? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, before people, you are worthy before your parents. They love you dearly, and you've been a very, very good son. Uh, but uh, when it comes down to heaven and the gift of heaven, are you worthy? No. Because you are also... Sinful? Yeah. And you have sinned in thought and word and deed by the things that you have done and by the things that you have... Left undone. Not done. Yeah, or left undone. Yeah, that's part of our confession on Sunday morning, isn't it? Where we talk about our sins. But when the pastor gets up and he speaks those words to you and he says, as a called and ordained servant of the word, I announce the grace of God unto you and in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I... Forgive you of your sins. Do you believe that? Yes. Good. All right. Let's ask John a few more questions himself, huh? Um, all right, John. When we talk about redemption um, and the blood of Christ and what he has done for us, um, third article of the Apostles' Creed, we oftentimes speak about what we should do as Christians. Um, if the Holy Spirit has forgiven you your sins, how should you behave towards other people who sin against you? You should behave in the same way. In doing, doing what? Uh, forgiving them. Okay, forgiving them for all their sins. Have you ever hated anybody? Probably. Have you ever gotten mad at anybody? Yes. Um, against what commandment is that? All of them. <laughs> oh, that's a good answer. You can. <laughs> it's an easy answer, isn't it? But certainly the fifth commandment, right, that says you shall not murder, because if you've hated your brother, that also is the same thing as murder. Did, um, did Christ freely choose to suffer and die, or was he forced to? He chose to do it. He, freely out of, his, out of his own choosing. When we say that, there, he, that it was a substitutionary death, what do we mean by that? Christ took our place. Your place, that's right. Did he, did he fulfill, did he do everything that the law commanded of him? Yes. Okay, and why did he do everything that the law commanded of him? Because he had to be holy to take our place and then to be resurrected. Okay, so he had to be holy to take our place. So that means that his holy life has now become your holy life? Are you perfect, John? No. John, are you perfect? No. John, are you perfect? <laughs> no. <laughs> Under the law, are you perfect? No. Under the gospel, are you perfect? Yes. Oh. Make up your mind. <laughs> so, well, let's, uh, let's see whether or not we can persecute Anna just a little bit, too. <laughs> okay, Anna, what's a, what's a conscience? It's like what tells you what's wrong and right. What's right and, right and wrong or wrong and right. Right. Uh, what, what are some of the values of having a clean conscience? What are some of the things that we get from that? You don't have guilt. You don't feel guilt. And 
when you feel guilty, just kind of think about times in your life where maybe you have felt guilty. Why are you looking at your parents <laughs> right now? <laughs> Ordinarily, when you feel guilty, you don't want to look at them, right? Yeah. yeah. And how do most people in relationship to God, if they feel guilty, what do they usually w- want to do? Run away. They want to run away from God. And that's why, that's why it is that we're trying to encourage people to understand that they don't need to run away. So one of the advantages, one of the benefits of being able to have a clean conscience, therefore, is that if people who have a bad conscience want to run away, people who have a clean conscience... If they want to run, if, let me put that another way, or, or the same way. Um, if people who have a guilty conscience want to run away from God, what's one of the benefits of having a clean one? You'll turn to God. You return to God, that's right. Anything else? If you have a clean conscience, when it comes to things like right and wrong, what does a clean conscience do for you? It'll help you choose the right. Right. Choose the right and know the right. To know the truth, right? Mm -hmm. And so Jesus said, if you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So, okay, should we try Kylie again? Okay, Kylie, um, who has the authority to forgive you your sins? God and... You, because you have the. <laughs> well, that thank you. Is it, uh, I'm a, just a poor, poor boy here. I'm not. I'm, but my, I have an office, right? Yeah. And when you say you, you mean that the person who is a called minister of the word, who has been called by the church for the purpose of administering the forgiveness of sins. If a person does not feel their sin, know their sin, if sometimes a person won't admit their sin. Do we just go ahead and just forgive them anyway? No. Okay. What do we call this thing when uh, we call the office of something, which is the... Office of keys. Oh, good. Office of the keys, where we bind the hearts of those who are impenitent and we do what for those who are sorry for their sins? We do what? Forgive them. We forgive them for their sins. And did, did Jesus die for the sins of the whole world? Yeah. He did. Um... We have heard that some people did not believe that Jesus died for everybody. There was a teacher back in Europe that said something about that. Who was that? John Calvin. John Calvin. See, don't you think they're great theologians? These kids are great. John Calvin, yeah. Now, he taught a lot about the gospel, and for that we're going to give thanks. But we do know that he said that Jesus died only for a handful of people called the elect. Are you certain that your sins are forgiven? Yeah. Why are you certain? Well, I have faith in Jesus that he died for my sins. Yes. Well, what makes you think that he died for your sins? Could he, have died, could he possibly have not died for your sins? No, because he died for everyone. Yeah, and are you a part of everyone? Yeah. So therefore you know that Jesus forgave me and died for your sins, didn't yeah. he? Okay, let's see if we can move this down one more time. One more. <laughs> Only one more time. That's right. Okay. Um, 
We say, how does God reveal to us the preaching of the, uh, or the, uh, the forgiveness of our sins? I think you, in a sense, have already kind of touched on that, but would you remind us of it? How do we, where do we hear of the forgiveness of our sins? The Holy Spirit called us by the gospel, enlightened us with his gifts, sanctified and kept us in the one true faith. You better put that in your pocket and keep it there for a long time. That's a great answer. There are two kingdoms that God has established. We talk about the kingdom of the right and the kingdom of the left. Do you know what those are? Ooh. Okay, well, let's give you a little hand. Is it Jews and Gentiles? No. Is it house and home? No. Is it church and state? Yes. Okay, there, there's the one that we recognize. In the kingdom of the left, which is the kingdom of the state, um, has that kingdom of the state been entrusted with the preaching of the word? No. No. That belongs to the kingdom of the... Right. Which is the kingdom of the... Church. Yeah, <laughs> that's very good. You bet. Kingdom of the church. And the state doesn't wield a sword. Oops. Doesn't wield the word. It wields a... Sword. Yeah, okay. Very, very... Good, you got that one right. All right. Um, we, uh, we say that um, we are conscience-bound to resist or to flee from these authorities, whether it be church or state. We have to resist them or fight against them. When they do what? When they go against God's Word. Yeah, and when they try to force us to do something against our conscience. Conscience, right. God's word in our conscience. And therefore, that's when we're... But otherwise, if they're not forcing us to do that, what do we owe them? Our respect. There you go. Um, did he mouth those words for you? <laughs> okay. Um, let's uh, ask Cole. Cole? How many kinds of angels are there? Two. All right, and what are they? The angels of God and the angels of devil. Okay, we sometimes say good and bad, bad angels. Okay, what purpose do these angels serve? Um, the good angels, like, tell the gospel, and the bad angels go against it. All right, yeah, they... The good angels, of course, are come, they serve us, right? And, um, and, the, and the evil angels are always trying to be able to destroy the, the works of God and man. Um, why should we pray for people who are in authority, Max? Let's uh, ask him. Why should we pray for those who are in authority? Because they control the state. Okay, well, that would be, that would be there. But what, I mean, so... We say, we, we, let's pray for those who are our leaders. Let's pray for our president. Let's pray for our Congress. Let's pray, pray for our policemen. Let's pray for our teachers. Why do we need to pray for them? Because they carry out the law. All right, that they administer God's law. Is that an easy job? No. No, it's not. Do you think you should pray for your parents? Yes. Is it an easy job? No. <laughs> Just fell right into that trap. <laughs> it is. It's not an easy job raising kids, is it? And they have to be able to kind of administer a law and a gospel 
of, of their own, don't they? Why don't we ask Sydney a few questions here as well? All right? Um, Sydney, when we say that God justifies us by faith, justification is a very big word. How would you describe what justification means? Like, he makes sure that we... Say it over again. I didn't hear that. That he makes sure. To, to justify is to make sure. Mm-hmm. Well, in a sense. All right. Let's, so I go into a courtroom and I'm charged with a crime. And the judge looks at the evidence and he declares me to be innocent. He therefore does what to me? Justifies. He justifies me, right? Declares mm-hmm. me to be innocent. Um, Let's just say there's a courtroom, and here's God, and here you are, and you go into the courtroom. Are you guilty before God? No. Yes. (laughs) No. When you go before God, you are guilty because of the law, law but who stands beside you and represents you and tells you that he died for you? Jesus. Jesus. And so God the Father then, because of your faith in Jesus, he does what to you? He forgives you, justifies you. Justifies you. And you are therefore justified by his grace, which means that you didn't deserve it, right? But by faith, meaning that you trust in it. Let's ask uh, Hayden. Now, Hayden, when you think about this idea of faith, you know, grabbing on to this justification that your sisters so clearly let set forth for us. Um, justified, you say we have to receive this by faith. Let's just say, for instance, that you were in a prison camp. You were a soldier and you were captured in World War II and they put you into a Japanese concentration camp. And then somebody came, maybe a Japanese soldier, and said, you're free to go. Would you go? Yeah. Why do you just keep smiling? And, and <laughs> would, you, would you believe a Japanese soldier? Probably not. Maybe not, because you might, there's that Geneva Convention thing that tells you that if you left the camp, you might be escaping, and then they could do what to you? Kill you. They could kill you. But what ha- well, how about if an American soldier with a bunch of jeeps and a bunch of other people all showed up at the concentration camp and told you that you were now free? Would you believe him? Yeah. And would you walk out? I would. Okay. So in other words, your faith in what was being told you made you want to claim the freedom that had been won for you, right? So now let's think about how this relates to Jesus and what he did for us. When I tell you that Jesus died for your sins and you're forgiven for your sins, do you believe me? Yes. Am I a Japanese soldier or an American soldier? American? Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> is there a question mark about that? <laughs> when Jesus tells you that your sins are forgiven, do you believe him? Yes. Okay. That's why we say faith justifies because we now, by grabbing on to that, we claim the benefits of what Christ has done for us. 
But thank you very much. I hope you never end up in a concentration camp. Uh, John, what were the first words that Jesus said to his disciples when he was raised from the dead? Peace be with you. Peace be with you. What, what does that mean? That uh, you should not have a troubled mind. That's a good way of being able to put it. Why would people's minds be troubled? There's a guy who was dead who's walking around now. <laughs> they might be a little uh, uh, unnerved by all that. But I think Jesus was saying, peace be with you, and, the, and he knew that their hearts were troubled, right? But what, why would they, they, they would, there's something going on inside of them that found peace in this. What is it? It's the side that had committed sin. Yeah, they, and they kind of figured that there's a hymn that we have, all our hopes had ended, right? That Jesus had not been the Son of God because he died and there he was, his body was in the tomb and he was rotting away and there was, it was all over with and everything that he said was therefore not true and God had not forgiven them their sins, right? How those marbles are rolling around inside of that head. Yeah. So, when he says, peace be with you, that meant, we said, that he had conquered what? Death. And? The devil. And the devil and? Sin. Oh, good. All three of them. Is your heart at peace? Yes. If you were to die today, would you go to heaven? Yes. Your answers are so long. I, I, let's just... <laughs> Maybe pass that over to Anna, okay? Okay. Um, Anna, um, will the Christian church ever be destroyed or taken away? No. No. It's going to be here forever and ever. Um, when we say that Christians have an authority to forgive sins. Do you have the authority to forgive sins? You think it's a trick question, don't you? Yes. Now, uh, Kylie already explained that I, I do, as a, in my office, uh, I can forgive sins. Do you have, let's just say, for instance, that your friends at school are troubled by something that happened. And they really think that maybe they've sinned against God. Can you tell them that Jesus died for their sins? Yeah. Can you set their conscience at peace by telling them that? Yes. So, in those words, go and make disciples of all nations, is that only for pastors? No. Can you do it too? Yes. Have you ever told anybody about Jesus? Yes. Yeah. Has it worked? <laughs> not always and that's the idea is that you can plant a seed though and that seed may grow at some time in the future and Anna is she is a good evangelist of the faith I, I would have to say that alright um, questions on Christian liberty and I think well we're, we're kind of coming to an end Kylie do you want to answer some more questions Your, your enthusiasm is touching. Um, yeah. 
All right, um, let's, let's just ask, I guess you might say, kind of the, the, the final questions here. Um, in heaven, Christ is doing what right now? Watching over us. He's watching the world. All right, and he is... You see, we say ruling all things, and is he praying for you? Yes. Okay, he's praying for you right now. Um, what's the prayer that Christ taught us to pray? Do you want me to say the whole thing? No. <laughs> what's the name of it? Oh, the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer. What's going to happen to you upon the day that you die? Uh, I will be resurrected. And the day that you die? Oh, I'll, no. You'll be in heaven, but on yeah. the last day, then your body will also be resurrected. You know, I, I, I have to tell all these people that are here today, do you have any idea of how comforting this is? That there is not a single one of our children that we cannot, by bringing them to the waters of baptism, say that that child is going to be with us in heaven. And this is the one meaningful thing, the most important meaningful thing that we can give to them and that we can give to ourselves is to know that they can never be taken from us. If it depended upon their works, then we would never know whether or not our children would be in heaven. If it all depends upon Christ and his mercy, then we know that they can be with us in heaven. But I want to emphasize this. They are going to need your help in being faithful unto death. There's never a time in which your children are not going to be your children. And even if they're old, and even if you're older, they're still going to need to have your words of love and guidance and peace and your words of encouragement. Don't ever let them give up this faith. Please. We can look on, that, on all those pictures of our confirmands, that are on the wall, and in many cases we have wonderful success stories of children who have remained in the faith. We also have a number of children who are no longer in that faith. And the, probably the greatest reason for why they're not in that faith is the fact that it didn't mean that much to their parents. So I ask you, with your heart and with your soul to guarantee and to do all that you can for these kids to take this faith that they now profess and which they hold on to so that they hold on to it for the rest of their lives. Are you in favor of that? Okay. Thank you. Let's close with a prayer. Oh Lord and Savior, we pray that now as we stand before you and we stand also with our parents and our sponsors and our congregation that we may all affirm with all our hearts that keeping and preserving this one true faith is the one goal of our life that supersedes all other goals. They are your children. We pray that you would keep them in this one true faith. We pray that they would always depend upon your grace and your mercy to cleanse their conscience and set them at peace with you. Teach them the truth 
that they might rightly see the world for the way that the world is with all of its deception and help them to be able to live beyond and past the power of the devil who would use their fears as ways of being able to control them. Remind them that all things work for the good of those who love you and who have been called according to your purpose. Keep them, therefore, in your hands until the day that we all enter into paradise with you. In Jesus' name, amen. You can give to these children a hand if you would like. Thank you all very much. Oh, okay. Good. So this is from, uh, to the church, from the whole class. Um, we have some communion linen there. Okay. On behalf of Advent Lutheran Church, we accept very much. Thank you very much. Should I open it? <laughs> and we have some gifts for their 7th and 8th grade teachers, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Kurtz and Mr. and Mrs. Gasper. And we have a gift for Pastor Grady. Um, we got word that you have a hobby of uh, maybe crossbow shooting. We got you some arrows that kind of signifies keeping these kids straight as an arrow. <laughs> Maybe some intimidation for future confirmation. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, Pastor Fanny. Um, this is his last confirmation class. And I think that on a personal note, and I'm sure I can speak for all the parents in the congregation, your teaching means the world to us. And I'm sure these kids, um, I mean, they're, what they've shown with their theology knowledge and, and your teaching has been such a wonderful gift. So thank you so much. Thank you very Good much. Good luck in your retirement, and we will really miss you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, let's, um, let's get you ready for our confirmation service, okay? Thank you all very much.